Hello everybody, it's 40k lore time, and we're gonna learn about things and waste all your time. Hi, um, so welcome back to Foxtrot Battleline. Um, I'm here with Corey for obvious Hello. reasons. <laughs> hey Corey, how's it going? Still, uh, still just recovering from my, uh, my game yesterday at this point. Yeah. Um, same a little bit. Um, so as we mentioned last episode, um, Corey kind of runs a, uh, bar park slash bar hammer, um, group with some newer players kind of showing them the ropes and, uh, playing every Tuesday and, um, super cool. So he's doing that every Tuesday, and it's a long day for you, I think, right, when you do that? Yeah, we, we go a little little overboard. Uh, we start at 1. It's called uh, Right now it's called Park Hammer. Uh, we're segueing names because um, it started off in parks. The whole point of the group is to get a bunch of young players together, young being uh, inexperienced, not age, because <laughs> now we have moved it from the parks to the bars. Um, the whole point of the group is to teach players and lower the barrier of entry where I'll bring armies and I'll bring dice and I'll bring terrain and I'll teach them how to play. So once a week we get together and we play. Uh, yesterday we had three different games going. We filled up the bar. We had at least seven or eight people there, which was pretty exciting for the bar owner as well. We play in uh, Industry City at a place called Barrows Intense Ginger. It's an awesome bar. And we played for a solid like 11 or 12 hours yesterday. Wow. It's a lot of setting up. It's a lot of me playing one game and then bouncing between every other game to explain rules to people, which is awesome and fun, but not always fun for the people I play. True. But it also helps me uh, try out different lists because I'm playing at least once a week. And this week I got to try out an entirely new army um, that I never thought I would touch. Yeah, and that's a good segue into um, the long overdue episode on Harlequin <laughs> strategy. Um, so we're finally going to talk about Harlequins today. Um, not the lore. Uh, <laughs> a C part one that was, for that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> go back a couple of weeks. It's part one. A uh, couple of months. <laughs> no, <laughs> I think we've only been recording for like two months. So um, it's only maybe a month ago but um so that's our goal today um we're going to talk about harlequins um and i think this will just be a good introduction into talking about general list building um because cory and i especially me um when talking in public about lists and how to put one together and the different concepts for list building um I don't like to be like, this loadout is good. You have to take it. Um, I like to be more like, here are some tools to allow you to look at any codex and sort of highlight, you know, uh, how you'll uh, make your list function and um, how you can make it better and um, just sort of general concepts of what, uh, makes a good list and how you can apply that to kind of any army. So, um, and I know Corey, you feel exactly the same way about this kind of yeah. stuff. So <laughs> I'm exactly the same. And it's, there's enough podcasts out there that you can jump onto yeah. and listen to, and they're going to tell you 
exactly what to take, how to take it, and exactly how to win the game. And that's not a fun game for us. And that's not the kind of game we want to advertise. And not the kind of podcast we want to be. So Yeah. So um, for us, it's a big... We're not going to come on here with a tactical episode to explain to you what you should take and what the proper point value is. We're going to tell you what you can take, what's, uh, cool. More what's available to you. Definitely what's cool. And today we'll have a whole bunch of that because this army is very cool. Is cool. Yeah. <laughs> like, for example, uh, the main seer has um, as their primary weapon, which you have to take because it comes standard, but the hallucinogenic grenade launcher. <laughs> so, you know, you have weapons oh, it's like fantastic. that. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, just that being said, so Corey played in Park Hammer yesterday um, with the Harlequins. So we're kind of just going to do a free-flowing um, talk or discussion about how it went, what he liked, what he didn't like, um, what he'd do differently, and then get more into some of the technical, like, you know, uh, army traits. Um, well, actually, we should start off talking about the specific abilities every Harlequin has and then go into, you know, what happened and more free-flowing. So um, I guess I'll just cover that briefly, Corey. So um, every the primary rules um, that you'll see with a Harlequin force um, are the flip belt, um, the rising crescendo, and the hollow suit. So... What that means in layman's terms is flip belt, you have fly, essentially, without the negative traits in ninth of fly, so you can move across terrain as if it weren't there. With uh, rising, rising crescendo, you can uh, all Harlequin units can advance and charge in the same turn and fall back and shoot or charge um, in the turn they fell back. And then with a hollow suit, that's a army-wide four-up invulnerable um, save. So those are the three primary building blocks um, that Harlequins kind of start with. Um, and just wanted to knock those out of the way because um, they're important when you're thinking about what you're going to do um, strategically on the board with your army. Um, and that four-up invulnerable makes or breaks harlequins against certain opponents too so <laughs> yeah the the list i played against the other day uh the other day being yesterday it was a long day um the list i played against yesterday was a list built to take out my blood angels i didn't tell the person i was playing i was switching armies too early uh mostly just because i didn't decide this till late but i played tau versus harlequins and his list was built to blow enemies Marines. off the table and to take away space marines toughness yeah so everything he had in his tau list was meant to maximize armor penetration yeah and so every single this is like a, a very awesome thing you get when you play with harlequins and it's a nice moment to look your opponent in the eye and, and just laugh at them a little bit um <laughs> don't do it menacingly don't laugh at them that's not nice it's not it's not fun anyways <laughs> <laughs> so basically we would be playing and he would line up all of his shots goes, all right, you need to make all these saves. It's AP minus four. And I just look at him and go, that's cool. So four, because <laughs> every save on every unit is an involved save of four minus the solitaire as an involved save of three. So and just to not can, have to uh, do that math. There's a stratagem to increase your involved um, once per phase too. Um, 
so you can go from four to three um i'll have to double check where that is but um you talk while i find it <laughs> yeah go for it so basically every time you get shot at you don't have to worry about it at all the whole armor piercing situation just doesn't happen that's a weird army to look at because you look at armies and you look for what they're good at and then you see the harlequins and you take a look at every effect they have and the big three being flip belt rising crescendo and the involved save um and it's just it feels broken when you look at it because yeah. every every unit they have has like a has a speed of eight to 16 inches so when you can charge run in advance and just be all over the board without any repercussions. Like you just jump into a combat and then jump out the next turn before anything bad happens to you. Like there's no, it's a lot to take in. It's like having too much freedom as a child. Literally <laughs> taking this army feels like mom and dad said, do you want to have ice cream for breakfast? And yeah. you're just like, wow, okay. I have and this power now and you just don't know what to do with it. I should also know too that you're not used to playing a fast army. So no. Um, I guess, you know, me, on the other hand, um, I'm used to speed. It's kind of how I build my list. Um, that's, well, most of the time. So um, that wouldn't be as shocking to me. So if you have a fast army, it's the fastest, I think, in the game. So um, I don't think you can get any faster than Harlequins. <laughs> well, like some of their bikes have, what's it called? It's uh. They have their ability Blur of Color, which is one of my favorite things, is that the bikes themselves... Uh, any Skyweave, of the, all he's talking the, about Skyweavers. Skyweavers, yeah. So Skyweavers are the names of their bikes. Skyweavers, Starweavers, Voidweavers are all of their uh, vehicles, but they all have it. It's all Blur of Color, and what that means is you get to add six inches to the move characteristics instead of rolling a dice for mm -hmm. advance. So you automatically max out your advance, which just means... All of your vehicles move uh, 22 inches automatically. Yeah. So there, it says their speed is 16 inches, but they automatically move 22 inches, which is already insane. Plus, and on if top you of that, charge. <laughs> yeah, the worst repercussion you get is the negative one on assault weapons, and that's literally it because you can do anything you want to do. Mm -hmm. Which, um, you know, sometimes it may not be strategic to advance them just because um hitting on threes and hitting on fours is the difference between a few shots going you know between a five-man squad of sky weavers that could be the difference between five five shots going through um a f from a three to a four so some point you don't need to advance them too because the board's only so big right that as soon as you cross it you might not have to and i get that but it's when you have all that ability it's it's intoxicating yeah definitely bit. And, um, you know, off the bat, too, that ability is um, comparative to the Raven Wing. They have something like that, too, where they auto-advance the full six instead of rolling, which um, I guess so. I'm a little bit more used to it than you are. <laughs> but I um, had a lot of moments while building lists and while playing the game where I had to keep rechecking things to make sure that that wasn't a real thing because I'm not used to this at all. 12 inches is fast for me. Yeah. <laughs> when 12 inches That's, is fast, um, you're going 22 and you're like, what? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm the guy who drives like 50 miles an hour in the 60 mile an hour highway. <laughs> so yeah. I did not know. I was just, I was taken aback. 
And um, I guess right off the bat, too, we should discuss, since we went over the kind of the main things, too. Um, so I want to point out some weaknesses of Harlequins. Um, and this is a common thing you'll hear, too. Um, at 1,000 points, Harlequins are really, really deadly. Um, you can kind of fit enough in there um, to just make them work at that low, small board, low um, point kind of game. When you start getting to 2,000 points and, like, say you're playing against, you know, Iron Hands or really any type of Marine, um, one of the primary weaknesses of Harlequins is, so, you have a army-wide 4-up in Vaughn, meaning you fail, you know, statistically you'll fail 50% of your shot uh, saves. So, you play against someone who has a lot of DACA um, from shooting. Marines, Tau, uh, certain Tau builds, I guess. Um, or Orcs in close combat, Tyranids in close combat, you know, stuff like, lists like that. So you're going to fail half of them. And when every model is like 50 points or above, you know, you can get just destroyed by um just pure volume of shots so um that involves great i think in is super awesome at lower point value games um it becomes an issue when people can throw out 200 250 shots a turn um and you're just like well there it goes you know <laughs> yeah that's kind of what happened to me yeah yesterday it was the big problem and he was I playing... ran into a lot of shots and i was playing it incorrectly yeah, wasn't he playing, like, stealth suits, which, you know, that's 18 shots in a three-man squad for relatively cheap for Tau, so... Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's that's one of the primary weaknesses of Harlequins. Um, the other, you know, hand-in-hand hand with that is their stain power. Um, because they're so fragile and have a across-the-board uh, minus... I think the vehicles and skyweavers, it's uh three up toughness. So anything like an assault cannon can, you know, wound on twos, which sucks. <laughs> so Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's another big thing for them is they're elves, they're fragile. Um so they can get I think that's off. like the big thing that caught me off guard with our game yesterday is I play so much Space Marines because literally everything I have Space Marine. So my big issue is continually, and I've pointed this out to people as I do it, and then I continue to do it, is I get caught out a lot. I'm not in cover. I'll be moving somebody, and I'll be like, oh, I can only go six inches. I guess I end here in the middle of your shooting lane. Like, things like that. And I'll just let it go, and I'll suffer. I've yet to learn from it. But with Space Marines, you can get away with it a little bit because they're so strong. You might get caught out, and you can fix that. But with these guys, like I would get somebody caught out and then they'd be taken off the board because, right. again, if I'm getting like 50, like something crazy, like 30 or 40 shots at this guy in one turn, he's going to, he can only save his invulnerable save so many times right? and, exactly. and get through. And, and that, that, that was, that would threw me off because I'm not used to weaker armies in this way. Yeah. Um, which uh, I'm trying to think. So guard are weak. Tyranids are weak. Uh, orcs are well. No, there's. I think they have toughness four. Um, so elves, guard, tau. Um, they're all a little bit weaker on the toughness end. Well, tau infantry at least. Um, so if you play marines, like you said, you know, 
Toughness four goes a long way um, with the ability occasionally with a stratagem with Marines to increase it to five. Like I know Deathwing Terminators have a stratagem for one CP for during that phase, their T5. So, um, which is super useful when people are trying to destroy your Terminators. <laughs> All right. And so I also want to touch on another weakness that is also uh, involving their invulnerable saves is um which you know you're kind of lucky Corey, that or not maybe not lucky but you probably didn't notice because tau don't have a lot of mortal wound output so if you're playing you know great knights thousand suns any anything psyker eldar to an extent anything psyker heavy and they can you know output mortal wounds that's gonna <laughs> It's going to destroy your units without an invuln save. So that's just another point I wanted to touch on too that's related to all this. Um, you know, that's just a complete bypass yeah. of everything. That's I'm so glad I didn't run to that. That'd be so frustrating. Yeah, I'm I'm thinking specifically like against Thousand Suns or Grey Knights. Um, just you know, their smites will just cut through your units. Um, pretty pretty badly so uh especially if you're, you know for a thousand suns for example if you're casting with airman um he gets plus two to his um psychic casting so you know any 10 or above that's a super smite d6 mortal wounds and you know mm-hmm. you could use a stratagem to re-roll it that could wipe out a whole troop squad um two bikes you know <laughs> and two bikes is a big deal um honestly because there's so many points um that just you know taking out two bikes is almost half your squad and if you fail morale and like one leaves because another um thing about harlequins is they don't really have that high of a leadership um it's like eight or nine across the no, i think it's eight yeah um i think solitaires have nine um troops have eight uh so all their characters have nine and uh, the standard units have eight so yeah that's you know you lose two three models you could fail so um it's something to think of you have to think about it a lot more um with them which brings me back to sort of talking about marines you know since we both play them very often i don't know every when was the last time you worried about leadership (laughs) never never. yeah um half you know at least for um playing dark angels um half my like all my bikes are fearless um, from inner circle, the inner circle rule. Um, uh, I don't know if blood angels have something like that, but, um, they have, I mean, they have some with the warlord. They have, mm-hmm. they have, uh, different effects that like Dante can bring, but it's nothing overwhelming. Okay. It's just the normal space Marine toughness. Well, then you uh, get to re-roll your leadership every time. Yeah. Right. So I had that in a game the other day. Someone was like, Oh, but now I can knock you off the board. And it's like, well, I can't fail that role. Yeah. But even if I did, I could re-roll. I'm gonna roll it again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't so. don't put your eggs in that basket. And he was like, "Oh, okay." I was like, "Yeah." Yeah, leadership's not something you think about as a marine player. As other armies, you have to think about a little bit more. Which hopefully, you know, as the codexes get released through ninth, um, some of these factions will hopefully be able to compete with marines more because there's a lot of. Uh, 
there's a lot going against, especially Xenos right now. Like there's a Marine unit that can do, for example, uh, Craftworld um, Eldar, um, for every aspect warrior unit you have, there's a Marine that can do the same exact thing and do it a lot fucking better. So um, I guess we'll see, but... I have to believe they're going to balance it out. Like I, mean, I, I think things are coming that are going to change it yeah. enough that's going to bring it back to somewhere near center. Even if they just do, you know, some chaos um, updating, like Primaris Chaos. I guess you could play Renegade Primaris right now, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But beyond that, um, they have a lot of work to do in balancing the game out a little bit more for the other factions, um, I think. But anyway. Which is okay, because Harlequins currently, and just to note this, Harlequins, for those looking, are on top right now. Yeah. They are winning a bunch of stuff. If they're not winning, they're taking like second. They're a very, very, very good army. They're probably like Corey just said. They're probably second, I would say, to Marines right now. Um, maybe yeah. Sisters um, too, but not a lot of people I think play Sisters. With so. the current meta, it's looking like from what I've seen and what I've listened to, it's Salamanders one, Harlequins yeah. two or three. Yeah, at all times. And that'll change in a month when the Marine Codex even comes out, because the other chapters may get more love. Um, um so we'll we'll see how that develops um well yeah me too having now play (laughs) now that i play two chapters i'm kind of invested (laughs) so um, So do you want to do you want to dive into some units or yeah let's do it um well i guess first off you know let's uh how'd it go yesterday you know generally speaking with them so it was an interesting game and i a lot of us at this thing is me teaching people how to play and a lot of me talking through my thought process while I'm doing things. And so it wasn't very reassuring to anybody there as I deployed my stuff and then looked them in the eyes and said, I don't know what I'm doing. Um, and it's not that I didn't know, like I had a plan, but right. I was so not used to what I was doing that I'm sitting here like, I think this works. I think this might work. Please don't follow me on this. Maybe this will work. And I tried to... I tried first off to draw away all of his big guns into one space. And the cool thing about the Harlequins is they have this effect uh, called polychromatic storm. I believe it's called stratagem. It's a, a yeah. stratagem and it allows you to redeploy up to three units after you finish your deployment before the first turn starts. So I was trying to bait him with that and have him put all of his guys in one area and then move. And he did not do that at all. So I ended up just moving my guys to better strategic spots. Mm-hmm. And then I forgot to redeploy the guys who were important. So I moved all my bikes to where I wanted them to actually be and then realized that my characters were still stuck out in the open. And so first yeah. turn, two of my four like characters or two of my four heavier units just got wiped out first and foremost. And it was a little disheartening because some of my plan was to use my Death Jester to try to keep them from overwatching yeah did and you, it did not um shit did you what died first i guess is first off did you go first that's what i was gonna ask i did not go first okay. i went second and right away which i mean if knowing that using polychromatic storm would have made me put things in a better defensive position mm-hmm. which again is another thing i'm not used to playing with non-marines like with marine armies i could put guys in places and be like 
here you are, you're going to move up the board from here. But with the fast Harlequin armies or the fast uh, like Eldar, I've seen a lot of people like hiding them because yeah. you can move so fast that it's well, there's no point. Also, with that in, stratagem, too, um, it's after you roll for first turn that you use yeah. that. So, yeah, it allows you to redeploy for what exactly. Yep. And I tried to do that a little bit, um, but also I left my death jester like on the deployment line uh, between the two armies, staring at like he was blocked off from his biggest gun. But then he put he he put some stealth suits right next to him to begin, and I forgot that that was a thing. <laughs> and so that was my own issue. A lot of a lot of it came down to my own not well, thinking of things I wasn't ready for because they infiltrate stealth suits, right? Yeah, yeah. And the stealth suits were all of like ten inches away from him. Yeah. So it was it was not pretty, and it was a little heartbreaking to lose him so early on the first turn. Yeah, definitely. Um, granted, uh, death jesters are only like fifty points, so not too. Yeah, bad. but uh, it's a thousand <laughs> point game, so I didn't really have a lot of stuff to do. So it was like once I started losing things with special effects, it started to become more of a bonus on everyone else like the only person who really did anything was my shadow seer and my solitaire mm -hmm. as far as like higher priced units went or higher character units um and the solitaire really the whole point of the solitaire was to be a cruise missile and to come out of nowhere and take out his big gun and then i lost my charge roll right. and then i re-rolled that charge roll and i lost it again <laughs> This so always happens. <laughs> there's a moment where he's just standing there with his ghost keel and my my solitaire just standing nine inches away from each other, and the next turn just blew him up. And I'm sure there's something I might have forgotten to do, mm. well, but it was not a pretty sight. It was I think very you learned a valuable lesson. Um, how fragile Harlequins are if you make mistakes. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. that's good. <laughs> If anything, um, they're not overpowered in that way. So there's yeah. at least that going for them. Yeah, definitely. I, they're not Marines, so they're not just straight OP. <laughs> I think the biggest thing I took away from it is that it's a completely different play style. Mm -hmm. And while I could sit here and make the joke of I didn't know what I was doing, which is not true, I knew what I was doing. The play style came down to it wasn't so much taking and holding and, and withstanding like I would with like death guard or maybe blood angels. It was more of if I'm going to hold these objectives, I need to distract him and slow down everything else. And because everything else is so fast that I have, I could just keep throwing them at them, getting out of the way and then throwing them at them again to keep them from moving in range of those guys. So we were playing like the normal primary objectives with the take and hold. And I held the majority of the objectives for most of the game due to this because he would get distracted and hold on to the things charging him or try to shoot different things instead of trying to take objectives. So I killed it when it came to primary objectives. I lost because I lost sight of his secondary objectives, which was while we, while we stand, we fight, which gives you uh, five victory points per uh, your highest, uh, your most expensive models, which were his big crisis suits, which right. I, just did not kill at all because I was not worried about killing them as much as I was worried about slowing them down and I lost sight and I lost. Yeah. And I also got you know, blown off the table, but also that another didn't thing make me lose the game. That ninth, unless you play ITC missions in eighth, ninth kind of throws like secondaries with a new army, especially are um, 
you know, they're a balance that takes some time to get used to. Um, I, I think, you know, I'm starting to get the hang of it um, yeah. now, but, you know, you see the objectives on the table and you're like, take and hold, you know? <laughs> and um, sometimes you forget some of the nuanced um, secondaries that either you took or your opponent took or, um, you know, just playing a lot of games is the only way to really understand how your army can score those secondary points. Um, for example, you know, I've tried out like psychic, the psychic ritual one where you got to have to complete three actions within the center of the board. And, um, Harlequins actually have a pretty nifty way to do that. Um, which is take a bunch of jet bikes into the center, uh, mm-hmm. and surround them, surround a shadow seer by them around them and just kind of hold there for the, for three turns. And then, um, then that's 15 points, you know, see, and I think that that speaks to my point a little bit is that it's a different mindset playing with this army because Mm -hmm. it's very much, it's not so much overpower overrun, have the strongest gun as much as it is like, and I think you've taught me this when we played last time is very much, it's not about destroying everything Mm -hmm. and you should stop thinking about, your units as having to last the entire game. If you can give them a purpose and that's their purpose and they die doing that purpose and maybe you score points that turn, then it's more important. And that's how I had to take this army. It was very much like he would like kill a bunch of bikes and I'd be like, that's great. And someone look over my shoulder and be like, wow, you lost a lot of stuff. I was like, I did. I'm still winning. He didn't kill the important units because I put the bikes in the way. Right. And, and then, the bikes can keep being in the way, which is the same thing you said with like the Shadow Seer. If you mm-hmm. put them in like a ring, like they're like they're riders of Gondor, Rohan, and just <laughs> slowing things down, it works. Right. And that's kind of a lot of the purpose of the armies is it's to get the object to, to the Harlequins work in a way of it doesn't matter by what means it happens. It's just that you need it to happen. Right. You know, they might have an objective you don't know about, but if you can throw some trickery in the way, and distract them and throw everything at them just to get your objective done, then that is a success. And I think this is an important part to bring up right now about general list building. Um, for new and experienced players, it's something to always be thinking about um, these sort sort of concepts. And I think Harlequins really shed light from a gaming perspective on um, some of the nuances of strategy in this game. So, and it's good that you're playing sort of this kind of army with newer players because, you know, you first start this game and even sometimes I fall victim to this when I'm not in the mood to think. <laughs> but, you know, you throw these units on the battlefield and you're like, let me roll some dice and kill some shit. And you're like, whoa, <laughs> you know, so. Um, but really, um, what these arm, you know, like Harlequins emphasize so importantly is some of the concepts that, are a little bit more advanced in terms of uh, gaming strategy, like unit duration, um, mobility, um, uh, supplementing weaker units with stratagems or relics that power them up, or um, essentially what you're forced to do with a Harlequin force is ask yourself about every single unit with the loadout that you gave it, What is this unit going to do? What is it going to accomplish? For how many turns um, do they need to accomplish this? Uh, For how many turns realistically can they last? 
Um, uh, how do you supplement high priority targets with low priority targets? How do you trick your opponent into thinking something's a high priority target when it's not? Um, so these little subtleties to the game are, you know, for every are applicable to every army, even if it doesn't seem obvious. Like, what's the most straightforward? I think Tyranids for me are the most kind of straightforward army. They're not, but for the sake of this argument, let's say they are. So mm -hmm. essentially, you know, Tyranids charge, charge, charge. You know, get in there, overwhelm with numbers, board control. Uh, deny your opponent the ability to move because you have so many fucking models in one area. Um, and that seems like, okay, yeah, cool. Um, I'm just going to take as many units as possible with a ton of close combat weapons um, and just roll as many dice as I can. However, you know, when you start getting into the subtleties of the game, you start realizing like, oh, wait, the speed they move um, can deny your opponent points. Um, if I put two 30-man blobs over an objective they're not going to be able to get that objective so i think you know uh when you're list building uh experienced or you know because i've you know i think everyone um forgets this sometimes too you know when you take a unit and you're building a roster ask yourself how does a what is this unit gonna do be how long realistically with uh and think of like a devil's ad advocate opponent who so they know your rules they're they know what works um for example you know you put um hmm, uh, you put uh hmm. like an invictor war suit like someone who knows your army is going to know that that's really great anti-infantry or support fire so maybe not a turn one priority but definitely turn two to four so um, when you're thinking about these things in list building, always ask yourself, you know, like I just said, sorry, I'm repeating myself, but, you know, what is that unit going to do for how long and how is it going to um, fit into what your army as a whole is trying to do? Um, and, you know, you can, asking yourself that holistic question about what your army is trying to do is more or less asking yourself uh, from the first start, Am I an assault-heavy army? Am I a shooting army? Do I move quickly? Because um, these are the sorts of things that define... Am I tough? Because these are the sorts of things that define how you should be playing your army in the list that you craft. And they're just general concepts, and you can apply them to everything. So um, it's great that you know you mentioned that about Harlequins because... Um, because you, they force you to think about that by the nature of their special rules, um, the fact that they're so weak, um, yeah, and the fact that they're so mobile, you're forced into thinking about what every unit's going to do. Um, and that's my little tidbit. We'll we'll have a whole episode at some point about list building, but or army functioning or whatever uh, <laughs> strategy, I guess, yeah. but. I think keeping that thought in mind and having learned that before kind of saved me for the day mm -hmm. because the whole center of my strategy came down to what each unit was meant for throughout right. the game. And if I had just come in being like, this guy kills these guys real well, this guy kills these guys real well without thinking about getting the objectives and how I can distract. Cause the troops aren't very strong mm -hmm. as far as toughness goes. Um, they're apparently a fucking uh, uh, 
battering ram when it comes to hitting people, but <laughs> as far as surviving, they're not very survivable. So you have to do everything you can down to putting them in boats, putting them in their uh their transports to protect them as long as you can, or or throwing bikes in the way. So in my mind, my game plan was bring them in in the in the, in the transports take the objectives and then slow everything down around them and protect them as long as I could mm-hmm. so they can just hold points. Which works, Versus, right? <laughs> it worked. The only thing I would have done differently and it what my downfall was was not having destroyed their bigger units. Yeah. And I was just trying to be the nuisance and slow down the bigger units where if I had tried to... Like, I split my bikes up where I set half my bikes to slow down the big gun units. I set the other half of my bikes to slow down his infantry units on the other side. When I was also trying to wipe them off a little bit, mm-hmm. but I ended up just trying to create like a, a screen wall in front of them. But if I had sent all my bikes in one way, I probably could have slowed down his infantry with something else, and I probably could have wiped out one of those bigger units early. Right, like we had talked about a yeah. little bit, it might have changed the game. It would have made him score less points at the end of the game, and I might not have lost. And it also might have saved a lot of models from dying early. Yeah, like if I had changed that approach, it would have changed everything. Referring to is we talked kind of off air about you know uh, doing things differently, and I and this is part of the general concept of just knowing your opponent's army at least a little bit. Like for example, the um, he was playing Tau. Pretty much, you know, most people know Tau are very shitty in close combat. So being more aggressive and actually trying to get into close combat, maybe turn one, two, still gives you three turns to hold objectives. And you're probably going to do more, you know, you probably would have done five to 600 points worth of damage in those first two turns, mm-hmm. um, especially against because it's Tau. So um, just, you know, knowing that... Um, those concepts uh and you know i know this is a time-consuming game whether you're painting or whatever so i know it's very hard to know about every army but knowing general things like you know death guard are tough um space marines are shooty and tough and good (laughs) um but you know more a better example blood angels are chargy they are good in close combat they have a ton of attacks at a pretty decent strength um tyranids are a horde army you know so they're gonna have a lot of models um you know eldar are psychic you know uh do a lot of like cool things with psychic powers you know stuff like that those general concepts about armies will allow you sisters of battles uh i don't know miracle dice and watch out for uh those girls with uh, the one chainsaw but (laughs) repent but it's like everyone has their trope and there's that one thing that they do really well and you don't need to know every unit or model in the army what's important is to know what they do well and to plan for that and exactly. what they don't do well and to plan for that as well and it does help to know specific units um maybe not like their whole stat line but you know yeah. some weapons and stuff but for those of think you that, have, that, who have lives you know that's hard to do so. yeah <laughs> that speaks to like what i did wrong too where like i came into playing town and i was like i know i need to get in the way and i know i needed to charge them and i did that but i don't think i did it in the right way and i relied heavily on single models to do the actual melee combat yeah the guy i was like all right the solitaire is going to take this guy out it's like but if i had escorted the solitaire in like if i had thrown maybe just something in the way like a so he could get closer 
something like just something to make him not standing by himself in a firing lane looking at his strongest model right was very disheartening to see it it was you also and didn't know how effective troops were in close combat especially against i did not so so the big thing with the troops that i noticed late because the only thing my troops did the entire time troops being t-r-o-u-p-e not (laughs) t-r-o-o-p they're troops that are troops they i was like i'm just gonna hold objectives their only job is to hold objectives and then i dropped my troops out of my transport and sent them into a group of like breachers on his tau and they disappeared the entire tau unit disappeared and i was like well that's insane i could have been doing this all along that's why i say maybe i wouldn't put my bikes on that side on the right side where i had them to slow down those troops because i don't think i needed them to i think i could have done it with my troops very easily and i didn't realize i had that power Mm -hmm. um so that was my big difference you know not really knowing how they work which well to know the army is to realize that the troops themselves and what i was i was trying to get at have four attacks per models Mm -hmm. and i think it's for an infantry unit to have four attacks for a six-man unit with the power they have is absolutely insane. Well, they really, um, Marines now, because they get the plus one on the charge, have something like that. Mm-hmm. So It's close, but it's definitely not the same thing. Like, yeah. what do primaries have, like, two and then plus one? So they get up to, like, three? Yeah, three. Plus, um, uh, plus I took, like, the mask that well, allows you, you to get sword. plus one on charge. The assault intercessors will have four base because um, they have. Well, if you take chain swords, you get plus one. Yeah. So, but and I get that, but that's just a lot of finagling to get there, where they just have it base, base like yeah. before anything else, before any extra abilities. Yeah. And I took the mask specifically that allows you to get plus one when you charge. So all of my charging had that extra thrown on there, which I realized while building the list that I was trying to build a Harlequin list to be blood angels. Cause I realized <laughs> it's like, Oh, I get all these plus extra attacks. And I was like, no, this is how you play every game. Corey, maybe don't do this. <laughs> Frozen stars is that. So yes. Um, and we did go over the masks, I think briefly and what they do um, in our last episode. So, but one thing we did not do, which you know, like I, we said at the beginning of this, we don't want to tell you what to do. So I kind of wanted to just talk about the roles each unit has, you know. Uh, there's only seven, mm-hmm. so we can cover it pretty quickly. So, um, and what you could do with them. So uh, we'll start, you know, troop master. Uh, troop masters are kind of like, you know, uh, I would call them like a, like a captain or something uh, equivalent in Marines. They kind of supplement your troops. Um, and again, <laughs> when we say troops, we mean T-R-O-U-P-E. Um, but anyway, so they're more or less a pretty decent captain um, who just, you know, kind of gives you auras of rerolls. They're an aura character. So um, I, I've seen a lot of lists. You take one or two, depending on how you're kind of playing. Um, if you're going for mm-hmm. a more Skyweaver list, you maybe only take one with Shadow Seers. Um, they're an HQ option, so um, typically you're only going to see battalions. Um, Harlequins need CP. Um, they're a CP-hungry army, so um, you kind of, in ninth, just want one battalion, put your Warlord in there, 12 command points um, right off the bat. So um, 
that's how you know i think that's how i i run them so so that's what you'd because i to add on to Corey's lament uh the death jester went first (laughs) Corey's lament there was like a whole moment of sadness where people were i think there's someone playing violin i think i imagined it uh (laughs) In the first turn, the Death Jester got blown off the board, and I was like, that's cool. At least that was the one guy I know I positioned incorrectly. And then mm-hmm. I look on the other side of the board, and my troop master is peeking out from the cover. And I was like, oh, man. Oh, no. And he was and solo? He solo. went the same turn. He just got blown up. The terrain didn't even help him. Just He was off by the himself? Board. He was near other guys, but he wasn't close enough. Uh, he wasn't within the three inches. Okay. He didn't. It was a tactical blunder on my part. If anything, it was a learning experience for everyone standing around me. <laughs> Don't leave your characters expo- exposed. <laughs> yeah, which I am so good at. It's insane. Hey, I've done that with the Demon Prince um, in Thousand Suns before and um, in a couple of Sorcerers. It's the same game. Just totally forgot to screen them <laughs> and blown you know, to bits. So. Yeah. You lo- so I was learn. very, yeah, it was very early on. Uh, anything that gave it aura or affected in that way kind of got taken away from me early. Uh, minus my shadow seer who did some work, but not enough. Yeah. Um, so the true master lets you reroll wounds, um, which isn't that great. Rerolling hits is a lot better, but that brings us to our next um, unit, which is more foundational to me for Harlequins um, than the Troop Master is the Shadow Seer, um, mm-hmm. just because you can do a lot with them. Um, so, for those of you who don't know, White Dwarf during quarantine sometime, um, uh, White Dwarf issue was released with basically the Psychic Awakening for Harlequins, and what that did is probably the one of the best psychic awakening for any army across the board, which is why right now Harlequins are dominating because it introduced, yeah, some new stratagems, some, some really great stratagems. Don't get me wrong, but, um, some new relics, awesome relics. But the third thing it did was introduce these things called pivotal roles. So mm-hmm. what these are is you can replace so each troop masters shadows all the characters troop masters shadow seers um, death jesters and solitaires have like a given ability. Um, so for example, the troop masters is cartographer of war. That's the reroll wounds. The shadow seer has a standard shield from harm, which is a aura where um, it's minus one to wound against uh, Harlequin units. Um, You can replace those with these. I mean, some of them are fucking phenomenal. (laughs) Um, uh, Pivotal roles, which basically just do something different. Meaning where you get a lot of the nuance in a Harlequin army is more or less from how you load them with their relics mm-hmm. and their stratagems than actual unit diversity. Cause there's seven fucking units in the codex. There's not a lot there. Yeah. So, um, you know, shadow seers. Um, I don't want, I'm not going to, you know, we're not going to read everything, but for example, um, one really cool thing about a shadow seer is it provides the six six shadow seers or aura characters as well, just like the true master. They just do very very different things and have psychic powers to um, also kind of maneuver your units, um, 
give them like a cover save, not in cover, things like that. But one of the coolest things about the Shadow Seer, and for an example of a really cool pivotal role, um, is this thing called Veil of Illusion, um, where when a your enemy um, measures to shoot against you, you have to subtract six. So it's like they're six inches farther away than they actually are. So um, that's super good um, and tricky. And, you know, that gets back to these kind of themes of Harlequin playstyle, which is mm-hmm. um, they're not obvious things. There's like these little tweaks that um, help them get into close combat, help them maneuver. Um, so help their speed, help a little bit of the durability, but not like a, you know, Death Guard, for example, straight durable units, like because of right. the toughness, because of feel no pain, because of their, you know, typically good save if you're playing Plague Marines or something. So um, that's an obvious one. Whereas the way you make Harlequins tougher is by like positioning, um, character auras, um, psychic powers, uh, you know, uh, falling back, for example, you know, like the speed is huge, um, or the, you know, four up in Volm across the board. So, right. It's like, get out of the way. Don't take the shots, make yourself tough by not getting hit. Right. And if you do get hit, you have like maybe that last chance of defense, but if you lean on it, you're going to screw yourself. Right. Exactly. And you, you have to be crafty. You have to be on your toes thinking and, you know, this goes back to the point too uh, about Harlequins. Be- because the way that the units function is through what you give them, you have to, even when you're picking relics and uh, warlord traits and stuff or pivotal roles, you have to think about <laughs> what is this going to do? Where is it going to be? You know, for example, who do you want to give that veil to? Um, a Shadow Seer is not fast enough really to keep up with the bikes so probably not them unless he's in the area you know but for the most part you know that veil of illusion um you're going to want to give to a boat um so put the shadow seer either close to or in a um star weaver with your troops um that just allows and what that does is supplement the troops to allow them to get into combat or to fusion blast the fuck out of somebody so um, and we should mention the fusion fusion pistol. Um, so that's just uh, strength eight, AP minus four, D six damage. To uh, it's target. yeah, it's really good. Um, it's so strong. But you know, again, the drawback of it a fusion pistol is it has a six inch range. So <laughs> yeah, um, which killed me with the boats because I was trying to do the fusion boat thing and I realized how close I had to be. Mm-hmm. I didn't really like study the distances, so I'm like yeah. sitting here like, oh, I'm gonna shoot you now out of the top because. You can the, and we'll talk about it again when we get to the transports. But the transports have open tops, which means anyone inside the transport can shoot out the transport. Mm-hmm. So you get extra shooting out of your transports, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, but I had the fusion boat set up and I was ready for it, and then I realized I did not realize how close I had to get with them. Yeah, and what what Corey is talking about is so one common build for Harlequins. It's kind of like a standard build in ninth, in ninth list I've seen, and my own too, is you put all your troops into a Star Weaver, um, and you basically, you know, turn one, turn two, get right next to a high priority target, um, either blow it up with um, all your fusion pistols, or, which uh, for troops, you can take six if you take a full squad in a boat, 
and then you bring them right next to the thing. And if you don't blow it up, you charge it to tie it up and kind of let your troops just be close to it for the following turn. Um, and it's a very common build. Because, um, again, if you tie up a unit, even if they can shoot it, say it's a tank and they can shoot at you, if that Star Weaver survives, well, you probably still have your troops right next to the tank. And mm-hmm. um, also, if it if it does survive, you can fall back and sh- you know do it again or move to a completely new target um if you have like a death jester shooting at it or whatever so well that's my big thing with those is i was trying to i mean we're not talking about them fully here but just as the harp on my plan i had them holding troops as long as i could and the second they got down to enough wounds where it was going to become a problem i disembarked and then launched them into other other models and units to slow them down and keep them away so it's kind of like a weird it's a shield that I then threw into the fray, which I should have done sooner, I think. But sorry yeah. to detract. Oh, no problem. Um, so we move on to our next unit, troops. Um, again, different loadouts. Um, primarily, this is one of the points in the game uh, or in the army, I think. <laughs> you either go shuriken or fusion pistol. Um, and... The neuro disruptor isn't really that that great, but um, yeah. pretty much those are the two loadouts you'll see. And where it really gets interesting, and again, you gotta have to ask ask yourself, well, why would I, you know, what am I doing with this unit? Because when it comes down to their melee weapons, a points are a factor, but also um, you have three different weapons that have different damage outputs, different APs, and a different bonus to your strength. And again, these are elves, so strength three sucks. So you definitely want all the close combat weapons give you plus one strength. So you are coming mm-hmm. in with strength four, um, no matter what loadout you do. However, do you want to go strength five? Like for example, um, anti a great anti marine unit is um, a troop uh, squad um, with Harlequin's caresses. So. Plus two strength, so strength five, AP minus two, and you're kind of rocking into Marines with, uh, well, with a full squad. That's 24 attacks. Um, so you're, you know, they're troop clearers uh, or Marine clearers. Mm-hmm. Uh, against intercessor squads, they're great. Against, you know, uh, any kind of standard Marine outload, which you see all the time now. So, um, you know, ride in on your boat. And then clear the objective is basically the concept there. Um, But then they have a um, multi-damage weapon, you know, too. So you can take them. uh, It's only strength four, but it does do multiple damage. So um, that's not super effective against uh, toughness five or six. But um, if, you know, you have so many attacks, if even say you have a full squad of six troops, say, you know, 10 get in, that's still potentially 30 damage to the unit um, if they don't save and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so they're, you know, for every unit here, there's different builds. And for the most part, I think for Harlequins, what it boils down to is you have um, either, well, besides the troops, but those are the Mm -hmm. standard units. Um, For all the characters, it's either anti-tank or anti-infantry. Um, especially with what we'll talk about next, the death jester. <laughs> so um, 
he's got some awesome relics and um, pivotal roles. He has so many good relics and pivotal roles that I had a hard time deciding. And when I asked you, I reached out to you before because I'm very – if anyone knows me when I build a list, I don't want you to tell me how to build the list. Yeah. But – so I was afraid to ask you for anything because I didn't want you to be like, man, well, you have to take this. And it's like, well, <laughs> then I'm not going to take it if you say that to me. And so the big thing I said was, I was like, oh, man. So that's why you didn't talk to me. <laughs> no, but I, I built my list. And the very thing with building my list was I yeah. built it. I ha- I'm taking these things. But is there anything stupid I'm not taking that I just need to know about? Right. Because I've already made up my mind. And the one thing I said was, don't tell me how to take the death gesture because I had so much problems with no. figuring out what I wanted to do with him. Like I, I created his position that i said to you is like look i don't want any other opinions on it because i know what he's doing and i'm picking this one thing and i don't want to decide otherwise and it's it's based on the fact that he has so many other abilities that dictate how you would play him right it's not like he is this thing and he does this it's like you can change how the death jester plays based on what you take um and primarily though it is you can build your death jester and i don't think i told you much i think i said uh, when you asked, I think I said a lot of people takes um, this relic, um, mm-hmm. and I didn't say you should take it. I just said a lot of people take that build. Um, no, we're very good at that. The yeah. two of us, we're we're very good at understanding. We're gonna take what we want to take. I think um, the only thing I said to you not to take was the Void Weaver. Right, right, right. Yeah, Which so. played perfectly into like the list I was building. It was very much like, well, of course, I, I get that. Yeah, yeah. Um, just because I, uh, that the reasoning was, uh, void weavers are not really cost effective for their, what else you can take to do the same thing, which is another. Yeah. And if I was going to take one, it would have mean one less transport right? and yep. the transports were there for a very specific reason. Exactly. Um, yeah. but anyways, back to death jester. So death jester. essentially you can make, we won't go into the relics or the pivotal roles or the builds, um, but you can make death jesters either like high volume of shots, um, anti-infantry. You can make them low volume of shots, anti-tough infantry, or you can make them um, uh, like one or two shots, anti-tank. So (laughs) you can do... They're also a a character killer as well. Yes, yes, yeah. If you need them to. I forgot about that. Yeah, see, there's so many builds, you know, you forget, but... Death Jester is probably the most versatile um, unit in the Codex, I think. So, um, in terms of like, you put one on the field and you can basically, I mean, you have to know what you're going to do with each Death Jester you field. But when Mm -hmm. you put it there, it will do that job very, very well. Um, uh, Unfortunately, it's not one of those units where on the battlefield, it can kind of switch. Um, cause those units ex- exist in other armies. Um, it's, you put that load out in your list and that's what it's going to do when it's on the battlefield. Um, yeah, like, he's really very much, himself. yeah, in my mind, he's very much like a support unit through mm-hmm. fire. It's like yep. one of the only times you really have someone who is like a cover fire unit in 40 K that I can think of. Like, cause a lot of it, you're doing damage. He's very much, he's shooting at things. He's almost like a a pseudo marker drone in my world where it's like your job's not to kill a lot of stuff. His job is to support the other units by killing the important things or slowing down the important things. Right. Or weakening Uh, things you need to get off the table. Um, Exactly. To put it specifically, the way I took him was he has an effect called humbling cruelty, I believe it's called. And uh, not to go too deep, but the whole point of 
that that's a uh, weapon. That's a just that's that's his, a pivotal role. Yeah. Yeah. So the way it works though is if you shoot with that, if you hit with your weapon, that unit you shoot gets pinned down and can no longer Overwatch. So the entire he also slows down, but that wasn't the point. My point was mm-hmm. I was trying to use him as a support to slow down and uh, keep the big guns from overwatching. That's why he was already so close to right. something he shouldn't have been close to. How many was because he was going to shoot today? them. Death Jester's just yeah, one, and one. I wish I ran two. Yeah, so that he would have survived. And if I ran two, I also maybe would have given different ones different loadouts. That way, well, they each have, have uh... their job. You also kind of like against Tau, you would have known at least you could deny one of the bigger units. At the very least, you could deny one um, uh, Overwatch so you could actually get yeah. your troops into combat. Right. Which, Which is big, especially because yeah. with the like the for the greater good effect, he mm-hmm. would build <laughs> just straight up ladder works of guys who are all within six inches of each other across the board. So he knows exactly who is getting into Overwatch. So if I could take out. My plan was to always take out the center of that ladder work yeah. and take out that guy to break up his system. And that was my death jester's job was to slow him down so the solitaire can kill him. And I just, yeah. all those plans went out the window the second the game started because I did not deploy death, well. I think more specifically too, uh, to your point as well, death jesters are great uh, supporting units specifically for either Skyweavers or troops. Um, they really, they really add something when you're, for example, you know, you can, oh, that unit can't overwatch. So let me just move my fucking troops that just moved 20 fucking inches, you know, (laughs) across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, so they really add, I think specifically they're a great way to supplement your core units, um, of your army, which for most builds is why I said Skyweavers or, um, troops. So, um. Yeah, because you talked about supplementing a solitaire with them. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure. I mean, you can... Probably I mean, not the best. Right, yeah. Um, but then maybe, again, like you said, you have that option to charge someone from across the board yeah. to do what it needs to do because right. they're all so fast. Yep. Um, which moves us to the the solitaire. So um, we already talked about the lore. I almost brought it up again because it's just so cool. But Slanesh, so cool. Me Slanesh too. Harlequins. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I think the number of times I handed the model to people yesterday and goes, but just look at it. Just, just look at it. Like, I know I get it. It looks kind of cool. I'm like, no, no but look at it. Model on the table. Just look at it. When it's painted up, it it'll be it. even sicker. So it's going to be great. My, just to, if anybody wants to know, I'm very proud of this. I used a head from one of my uh, Tau commission pieces. So he's jumping <laughs> off a ghost keel head instead of his normal blocks. And it's, it's makes cool. me very excited. It's yeah. cool. I like it a lot. So, uh, you're a build, I mean, specifically. So, yeah. um, yeah. So solitaires, you know, think smash captain that's faster, basically. Um, it feels like for me, a smash captain that I don't have to use 500 stratagems and spend true. a lot, a lot, a lot of points to have. And it has a three up in Vuln. I don't know how good smash captains in Vuln saves are. Probably three. Or four. I, I think it's a three up. It's a three up because okay. they have the you have to take the shield with them. Uh, um, right. Storm shield. Yep. But again, there's just so many things you have to put into a smash captain to make it work that I don't take them anymore. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like 
if you want to be lazy and have a smash captain, you got a solitary. He's perfect. Right. He does everything without any of the work. He's an automatic car. If it gets there. <laughs> but, yes. Um, yeah. So they're kind of a simple one to go over. Uh, their role is to charge in and hit a high toughness, high wound unit, um, essentially. So um, now we move to at least, I think, your and my favorite um, unit. <laughs> Fucking Skyweavers. We're talking Skyweavers? <laughs> yes. So we've been mentioning them a lot. Um, they're beasts. Like, they really are. They're, they're probably, honestly, Corey, I think they're one of the best units in the game. Um, they're like they're the workhorse definitely of this army. Yes. Um, while everyone else is getting the glory for scoring the points and stuff, these guys are legitimately taking care of business all yeah. over the board and <laughs> oddly surviving way more than they should. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, I well, threw them into so many bad situations. It's like just get, just deal with them. Just go over here, and then I'd have <laughs> one survive, and then just at the end of the game, I just had one just there to give me line breaker at all times or uh, engage on all fronts. Oh, wow. Because he survived and then fell back over everything. And I was like, cool, well, I'm going to get engaged on all fronts right now instead of letting you die. And then I'll have you do something next turn. And right. it's, they are so uh, versatile mm-hmm. in their movement and in what they can do that it's like, I can have you do this this turn and then do something else next turn and then do the same thing the next turn. And it can all be on different sides of the board. Yep. And they have a built in minus one to hit, which is always nice so oh yeah um but the big thing for me a is the haywire weapon um so for those of you who don't know uh skyweavers hit on a three up then if uh the target is a vehicle they wound on a four up and cause a mortal wound no matter what so that's a 50 50 shot like pumping out d6 per haywire cannon of wounding vehicles so they're great anti-vehicles but they're also if you you know against troops it's still strength four ap minus one weapon with a ton of shot a flamer at basically a well not a flamer but um assault d6 at 24 inches meaning you could fucking uh, on your board size they must have been just like jumping everywhere <laughs> you know <laughs> like you put oh, them yeah. where they need to go they get there um, they shoot, and if you take a melee weapon, their melee weapon's actually pretty good. It cleans up um, the Zypher Glaive. Uh, so that is um, plus one strength, AP minus two, but two damage. So except for against vehicles, um, if you're using them for anti-infantry purposes, what you don't do in the shooting phase, you can almost definitely do in the assault phase. Um, yeah, kicking myself for not taking that because... They were doing a lot of charging and assaulting and uh, did not take the Zephyr Glaive. Yeah, it would have been more effective. I mean, they do cost points, which is probably the only um, the only uh, real issue there. But in addition yeah. to that, too, dude, their grenades are... People tend to not use grenades as much in the game, and I don't blame them because you have to forgo your shooting to use a fucking grenade. But if you're using them to tag a unit and keep them in close combat, why not use a grenade? You know, because um, it's strength six, AP minus three, two damage, um, D three mm-hmm. shots, which is in terms of, as far as grenades go. You know, the d- debate over you know how effective grenades are or not. It's neither here nor there right now. But but um, that's a good grenade in comparison. Um, 
Oh, you got a good grenade there. <laughs> so, look, look at that. They got um, a good grenade. And they're also uh, very, because they have some cool things you can do with, with stratagems, which we haven't even really touched on, but, um, you know, we're kind of hitting some time here. So um, I want to find a good one. So, for example, you can fire one of the best stratagems and essential in the whole codex is called fire and fade, which you can do with the bikes. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> uh, you use this stratagem after they shoot, they can immediately move seven inches as if it were the movement phase, but they can't charge. So if you're using your bikes for their haywire abilities, or at least one squad of them, cause most people run more than one, um, you can basically, pop your haywire into a vehicle, destroy it, and then hop them behind uh, terrain or, uh, you know, whatever, to give them either they don't, your opponent can't see them or, you know, um, they get uh, shooting through the forest. It'll either give them – they're already a minus one to hit, so I'm thinking more like uh, they still will get a cover save in, like, dense. Cool. So the big the big part about that on that last stratagem is uh... – Ninth edition, so much of ninth edition is based on surviving the turn. And for a lot of units that you get to use, you have to live with the consequences of the choices you make. With Death Guard units, if you come in and you try to fight something, you got to survive a turn after doing that. And a lot of the Harlequins using their stratagems, and specifically the Skyweavers, you can get away from those consequences a little bit. Specifically, you can come in, shoot, clear a thing out, and then go back away and you can survive to the next turn based on just the idea that you don't have to stay there. You can just keep moving. And it's really cool to see in an army. Absolutely. Um, definitely. Um, so the last two units we'll just do very briefly. So Void Weaver is like supposed to be their heavy tank. Mm-hmm. It's not as effective as the bikes, so most people don't take it. Hopefully, it didn't seem really useful when I was looking at it. It's like it looks cool, but this doesn't do. I don't have a reason for this other than right. throwing it at something. Because there's a unit that can do it better in the codex. Yeah. So maybe they'll change that um, in the next uh, Harold Quinn codex. But for now, you're not going to see them very often. Um, and then the Star Weaver, which is an open-topped, minus one to hit um, transport. So that's kind of another building block of the um, army is the mm-hmm. Star Weavers. So... Um, yeah, I mean, there's not much to say about it. It's a transport that's a really pretty decent fucking transport. Yeah. So, um, I'm still blown away by the fact that it has an open top. And if that's a normal thing for, like, Eldar players, I've never seen it. But it's it's just so... Drukari players. Do Drukari do it, too? Yeah, Harlequins and Drukari have open top transports. It just... And it, it speaks to a lot of what this army is, where it's like you have very basic things that you can tailor in any way you want to. Mm-hmm. And these are, like you tailor your troops to make your 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 star weavers better you know what mm-hmm. i mean like you can legitimately take if you wanted to have range and you put the troops inside there with with their shuriken pistols and then you have 12 inches of a whole bunch of guns coming off of it so you automatically make it into a tank with a lot of daca yep. based on those two choices or if you want it to be a big high damage tank instead of having to take the void weaver you just pop in your fusion pistols into there. So you already have your guns and then you have your troops guns and you can just tailor every unit 
in that way. They're also um, pretty decent objective holders on their own because they can yeah. hop around and just stay on an objective and kind of sit there with a minus one to hit. And no one's going <laughs> to, well, you know, most people aren't going to waste their fire at the Star Weaver. So it's after the troops are out of it, you know. So mm-hmm. <laughs> um, it can kind of hop around and just be a little bit of a annoyance um, where you may force your opponent to shoot at it um, with some of their, you know, better weapons. Um, so it's kind of a, it's a objective holder and point denier at the same time, a lot of times oh, yeah. too. So um, it's a great little vehicle. <laughs> I love um, it. I'm a big fan of it. And it, it's so, so versatile in mm-hmm. what it can do because it, it protects and then it can move and it can do anything else you need it to do. Um, once it loses the troops, it kind of loses for me the point of holding that objective because the troops are doing that for me. Well, I'm talking so about I lost them. You bring it to another. It's so fast. It moves. You can just get it to another objective yeah. right away. Yeah. Yep. So um, that's more what I meant. Like troops yep. disembark and then you bring that thing over to something across the board because most objectives, um, even in strike force missions, are um less than 22 inches away from each other so um you can kind of cut across the battlefield and just kind of sit there drop the kids off at the pool and uh (laughs) boogie on down mosey on down to objective two (laughs) go to the bar while the kids are at the pool so (laughs) exactly (laughs) if anything if you guys get anything from this it's that it's a very go to the bar while the kids are at the pool army If GW wants to use that for their, uh, if you don't codex, drink, you're at the know. movies. If you if you don't drink, you're you're yeah, at the yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So yeah. I think generally we didn't talk necessarily about individual stratagems or kind of like go through. There's a lot more um, stratagems to this army, but they all fit the themes, the thematic things we were talking about. And again, Corey and I don't want to prescribe any um, builds or, oh, you should take this. Um, I Which do. is hard to do with this list because yes. there's no, you have to take this. It's how do you want to play? Figure right. that out based on what you can take. It's I guess not unfor- like... Unfortunately, too, um, I will mention this because it should be known. This isn't the most versatile army, even with how you load them out. Um, most lists, so, you know, I'm part of the Reddit Harlequin group and people, you know, post their competitive lists there or their fun lists or their uh, crusade campaign list, and they all look the same. <laughs> so, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, maybe they'll get a new unit or something, which would be cool. Um, you know, maybe. Next, next codex um, if GW focuses on Xenos, but these models are actually relatively new compared to um, the other parts of the Eldar line. So I'm thinking we see those updated before we see anything new for Harlequins. So, um, yeah. Or they yeah. just change the rules on the Void Weaver and then you can use that model for something else. So, um, but yeah. Maybe. Um, I hope, honestly, because um, it's, it's, I still, you know, it's got that gun in the back and the front. It's pretty, it's a cool, theoretically, you know, theoretically, it's a very cool unit, um, lore-wise and all that, but um, they're just, between the jet bikes and the troops, 
you know, there's no place for <laughs> and the death gesture, to be honest, which is, you know, significantly lower costing than the void weaver. So, you know, it is what it is, but it just doesn't seem to have a job for me. Yeah. You know, and that's it. That's it's, it speaks to the army for me. Cause it's everyone in the army has a job. And then I look at the one guy who has no job and it's like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to do with you, so I'm not going to take you. Because he's also overcosted, which is part of yeah. it. Yeah. So, um, if they even if, you, if they just lowered the point value on the void yeah. lever, you'd see them more. If you play or choose to play this army, and you come in and you decide you have a way of using the void weaver, please let me know because I'd love <laughs> to know it. Yeah. And we we hope for you guys to do things like that, fool around as much yeah. as you can, and, and give them cool options that we didn't even think about. Absolutely. And tell me, um, please let me know so I can figure it out too. There's someone out there right now with a build on one of these characters that just does something so different that um, the meta doesn't see it coming. So well, that's the thing. And I think like a big motto for our, our podcast needs to be to change the meta. Cause it's, I, we've run into so many, I, I work with so many like younger, newer players and one of my friends plays Tao, the one I've been playing, and this big thing is like, well, I need to get Riptides because they keep saying I need Riptides. And it's like, or figure out a play, a way to play them mm-hmm. that nobody knows. Or like, I have another friend in the group who's still trying to decide on his army, but he loves Tyranids, and he keeps coming back to you. Everyone tells me Tyranids aren't good in this edition. And it's like, well, it doesn't. But there's plenty of people playing Tyranids on the on the at the big tournaments. Just figure out a different way to play them that nobody yeah. expected. Yep. Maybe don't play them as a swarm. Play them as like an elite army. You have the room to do it. It just hasn't been done or tried because people didn't think it was worth it. Yeah. I mean, it has been occasionally. But, you know, I, yeah. to your point more, what, you know, we just want to give tools for people to be able to look at shit and to be inventive and unique and more or less like don't meta chase. So um, because, you know. This is a hobby where if you get into it, like Corey, do you like do you see yourself stop playing within you know five year plan? <laughs> you know, no. And I will have to ask my wife. <laughs> well, I don't see myself stopping playing. You know, maybe <laughs> maybe some lulls, you know, or whatever. But um, you know, when you play this game, you're kind of invested for the long haul, and the meta changes so much that you know you really. You can't build your armies like that. So having the tools to look at, and this is between editions, having the tools to look at a codex, um, look at a rule book, and kind of sort of have an idea of where your army fits in it, um, and how to, you know, if you're playing, if you're into competitive play, how you make your army competitive given the tools you have. And yeah, sometimes your army is not going to be very competitive as a whole. It's just it happens, but um, you know it's still your army and there's still a lot in it. So also another thing that I just want to bring up 99% of fucking people you talk to or you play are not fucking what those people on Reddit call competitive players or even playing lists that are like that or know how most people put together a competitive list and it works for most of the games that they play. You know, um, and most of it's local tournaments. If you're going to LVO, even, you know, you're 99% of the people are not going to be those fucking insane, you know, iron hands lists that who can rock them and who actually were the ones who <laughs> were the meta setters, you know, so um, because they have the tools to build this. So keep that in mind, like, um, 
you know, we're here to play the game and yeah, be competitive, understand how the game works, be, you know, craft when you're playing match play, craft the, you know, the rosters that you think are going to work for your play style in the best way possible. But um, that's really the important thing. um, I think, you know, because most of us, almost all of us love this game. We love to play, but we're, you know, (laughs) don't have the time or, you know, don't have the, uh, you know, some people, because there is a natural ability, I think, involved in being able to play like that, too, because mm-hmm. um, you meet some people and you're like, wow, they're thinking like seven steps ahead of me. <laughs> you know, um, so, um, you know, it's a game, too, you know, at the same time. So yeah, no matter how good of a list you build, you need to play the game to win the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I proved that fun, with me putting right? the Death Chester in the worst possible place. Um, right. It doesn't matter how well you build a list or how good of things you bring. If they don't work right and you don't play the game well and you don't have fun doing it, which is the most important rule, right, right. Uh, it's not worth it. Right. And if so, you're not having fun, why are you playing the game? Exactly. Like, don't mend a chase. It just ruins the game for everybody and it'll probably ruin the game for you because you'll, you know, go out, buy 2,000 points of your army. And by the time you can field it, even if you just prime them or something and put a couple colors on there um, just to get them on the field to the quote-unquote battle-ready standard and throw some base on there, by the time you actually get in some games or a tournament, like especially now because there's no tournaments really going on, which that's why uh, you have to take some of those competitive analysis with a grain of salt like who the fuck is playing these tournaments <laughs> you know yeah, like exactly there's, there's nothing going on so um for the most part so yeah that's just our little segue into you know we're not here to tell you what to do or to meta chase i i think that takes away a lot from the hobby so don't go chasing metaphors <laughs> keep it to the uh lists and that you're used to i don't know the armies that you're used to <laughs> we'll get it i'll get our logo (laughs) (laughs) um all right so with that you know um look out for the website this weekend um or early next week um i should be good to go on that so fantastic uh, yeah so cool things um our next episode will probably be with uh another artist um i think we're heading that way so um look out for that uh within a week or so um and you know stay classy 40k (laughs) (laughs) we're working on it we'll figure it out Uh, yeah definitely all right well again thanks for listening and uh we'll catch you next time